stop calling it a Cubano. Call it a Cuban sandwich. Besitos, Cubans. <laughs> we mean it because a Cubano is a Cuban person. <laughs> yeah, well, and also, I'm sorry, but you don't sound cool when you run around being like Cubano. Stay in your lane. Oh, <laughs> I went there. You went there. So you might think, but I'm trying to learn Spanish. And so I'm trying to say Cubano. Cubans don't call it Cubano. No. Cubans call it un sandwich Cubano. So if you're trying to learn Spanish, say the whole thing in Spanish. Yo quiero un sandwich Cubano. And if you're Miamian, this is how you say sandwich. Sandwich. Okay. Sandwich. <laughs> S-A-N-G-U-I-C-H. Trust me, we're offering you a lot of options depending on whether you're like actually trying to learn Spanish or not. Maybe just call it a Cuban sandwich. Can we just all agree? <laughs> ah, I'm so salty. I'm a little salty about this. Sorry, guys. Saltier than the Cuban sandwich itself. Hey, Carmen. Hey, Frida. What's up? What's up is... Let me just go ahead and lay it out there as to how this episode came to be. Today we're talking about the very famous Cuban sandwich. People keep asking me, what is the best Cuban sandwich in X city? Where is the best Cuban sandwich in New York? And honestly, up until very recently, I have always answered that question with, I'm sorry, it does not exist. The best Cuban sandwich is only in Florida. Specifically, I would say Miami, but once I got into the research for this episode, I realized it's not necessarily Miami. <gasps> Pero que que? Carmen, hold on, hold on, hold on. Miami's like not the center of the universe for everything Cuban. It's not. Much to my shock, there's three controversies to the Cuban sandwich. Is it even Cuban? Huh? Pero que que? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what city takes credit for it? Is it Miami? I um, that's what I... I thought. <laughs> <laughs> and the last controversy is what are the actual ingredients? And I think that's where it really started for me. But Carmen, isn't there only one Cuban sandwich? Okay, oh. you know what? Let me tell you about the day that I walked into a Panera and I saw on the menu a uh, Cubano and it had Black Forest ham on it. And I was like, I'm sorry, I cannot dine here anymore. Goodbye. There, There's a lot of controversy there. <laughs> I was just thinking of like a really dramatic scene at Panera where you just like walk in and like storm right out. And no one but, knows why. Um, <laughs> no one knows why. <laughs> that, you know, knowing me, I would totally pull something like that. Just imagine a Cuban sandwich on like focaccia bread or like on an Italian bread no, or no, no. something stop. else. I'm trying to get Carmen to throw up, which actually isn't that hard. Oh, wow, Frida. <laughs> I brought that here. Thanks. Thank you for that. <laughs> Anyway, back to the Cuban sandwich. We have all these controversies. There's a bunch of people, cities, and more who have opinions about the sandwich. And now it's all over the place. It's at Panera. Mm -hmm. So let's dive into the first controversy, right? The question of how is it possible that the Cuban sandwich may not be Cuban? Dun, dun, dun. So, <laughs> so like, is any part of the Cuban sandwich from the island? It's actually very difficult to pinpoint the exact moment that the Cuban sandwich was made and who exactly made it. But I've read that more than 500 years ago, the Taino tribe began making cassava bread made from yuca and started making the sandwich. 
at the time, they had not yet been colonized by the Spanish. And so Cuba didn't have any pigs. So pork was not a thing quite yet. It was believed that they made the sandwich with stuffed fish and bird meat at the center. And the bread was still very crunchy. Because it's yuca bread, it would be more like a cracker than really a doughy bread. So we're going to say that that's the very beginnings of this concept. And then later on, it completely morphed into a different sandwich. I think where we're starting at is describing the earliest account of a sandwich made in Cuba by Cubans, the original Cubans, I would say, the Tainos, who were one of the many indigenous people existing in the Caribbean. We're not saying that this is the first iteration of the Cuban sandwich we have today, but let's say this is the first time a sandwich was made in Cuba and it was known as a sandwich. So after the Tainos made this fish and bird meat inside these two crunchy cracker Europeans, as we know, mainly the Spaniards came over and we know they brought pigs. And so meats like pork and ham were being introduced at this time into the native diet as well. There were sandwiches in Cuba before the Cuban sandwich that we know today came about. But Frida, does it even matter to mention Cuba? Because... Is the Cuban sandwich Cuban? Well, let's get into the people living in Ybor City. Ybor City is spelled Y-B-O-R. It is in Tampa. And so in the mid-1800s, pre-revolution, Tampa, as well as New York, is where you would find a ton of Cubans. Because a lot of Cubans came over to work in cigar factories. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't just Cubans, right, Carmen? There were other people in Ybor City. In the mid-1800s, the Cuban tobacco industry first came to Florida, specifically in Key West. And a little bit later, it moved up to North Tampa, specifically Ybor City. And with these factories came lots of immigrants who came to work, not only Cubans, but Spanish, Italian, and Jewish people. I mean, tale as old as times, right? Immigrants show up at a place and the work that they find is in factories. These people need a quick, affordable lunch in their break of the day when they're working in factories. And so that is where we enter with the Cuban sandwich. The development of the Cuban sandwich at this time begins with Cuban bread. Many of our listeners may never have tried Cuban bread, but Cuban bread was actually apparently also invented in Tampa. Like, So there was a, there's a bakery called La Joven Francesca or La Joven Francesca Bakery established in the late 1800s by a Sicilian-born Francisco Ferlita who was actually a Cuban-Spanish-Italian immigrant. Like, what a concoction, what a combination. And so it's believed that he created the particular style of bread called Cuban bread, which, like, we now find in Cuba as well, and we find all over Miami. And so it's really interesting to, again, trace the origins of this ingredient that we believe is essentially Cuban, but created by an immigrant living in the diaspora. So Cuban bread is... Crispy on the outside, soft on the inside. It creates so many crumbs when you bite into it. And it has lard in it because the most Cuban thing you can do is make something like bread and still make it have pork in the ingredients. I still remember the day that I found out Cuban bread by itself has like 800 calories in one slice. If you've ever had Cuban bread, you think, how is that possible? Because Cuban bread in itself is so fluffy and airy on the inside. And it's the, all the yeah. lard. It's all the lard. 
One of the things I used to do when I was a kid was now I'm like, wow, what an asshole, Frida. My parents used to buy Cuban bread. And on the way back home, I would stick my little kid hands into the center and eat the core of the Cuban bread and leave the outside. So because the inside was like so chewy and soft. That's where the good stuff is. My parents would come home and they'd, they'd take out the bread and it still looked like it was intact. I had just hollowed it out. Yeah. You can't have a Cuban sandwich without Cuban bread. I will say that one more time for the people in the back. You cannot have Cuban sandwich without Cuban bread. Cool. We can move on now. The next thing is back in the day, it was made with pork, ham, turkey, Genoa salami, Swiss cheese, sour pickle slices, and mustard on this Cuban bread. That was the sandwich that immigrants were eating in Ybor City. That, at the time, was not called a Cuban sandwich. That was called un mixto because of the mixed meats. Later, the English speakers began to call it a Cuban. Because they watched those Cubans eat those sandwiches and they were like, well, this is a Cuban. Yeah. (laughs) Like, that's really it. There's also a specific restaurant that claims to have created this mixto sandwich that later on became the Cuban sandwich. And it's called Colombia Restaurant. It still exists to this day. You can still visit it. What we know about the origin of this mixto sandwich, at least the mythology, is that different ingredients came from different immigrants. So in a way, it's like this beautiful melting pot of a sandwich, Mm -hmm. right? So the Spanish brought the ham. Yep. Italian Sicilians brought the Genoa salami. Yep. And it has to be Genoa. Who brought the turkey? Wait, turkey? Yeah. Pork, ham, turkey, Genoa salami, Swiss cheese, sour pickles. Wait a second. Carmen, I love the fact that you said who brought the turkey, okay? Because the original Cuban sandwich from Tampa does not have turkey in it. Oh, really? Because I'm reading that it does. From Sarasota Magazine. Uh, Carmen, I am citing the resolution. The historic Tampa Cuban sandwich does not have turkey in it. Frida, I love that we're having this debate because this is the conflict. We literally got into the argument in the meantime. I know. And this is exactly what the debate has been for a very long time. This is the entire controversy. No one can agree on what the actual ingredients are. And by the way, we're over here unpacking all of this and we are two Guanitas from Miami. We do not believe in this salami business. Okay. (laughs) We're like, yeah, no, no, I've never had, never in my life had a Cuban sandwich with salami in it. But here I am reading, be it resolved by the city council of the city of Tampa, Florida, section one. I literally am reading part of a resolution that the city council of Tampa actually listed out all the ingredients. I don't know where the turkey comes from. That's the thing, okay? Now, I know, where did the mojo marinated roast pork come from? I mean, duh, the Cubans. That came from the Cubans. Some people think, okay, they say the Germans and the Jewish immigrants added the Swiss cheese, pickle, and mustard. That actually makes sense. So that's like the story. And so we have the birth of the Cuban sandwich. So where does Miami come into play? All right, so the Cuban sandwich was made popular by Miami specifically Cubans in Miami. So it's official that Tampa takes credit for the creation of the Cuban sandwich and they have a list of ingredients, which Frida has read. And then Miami really put it on the map. Miami has a lot more of a pull with tourism and international communities than Tampa does. And so Miami really made the Cuban sandwich popular. Let's just say the Cubans in Miami are a little louder than the also ones in Tampa, true. okay? Very true. <laughs> and not not because they are inherently louder, but because 
as a community, there are so many of us. Miami became the place where Cubans went to after the revolution. The Cuban sandwich eventually made it from Tampa down to Miami in the late 1940s because the Cuban population in Miami began growing just before the revolution in 1959. Miami gave it a makeover, removing the salami. There's also a couple things that Miami changed as well. For instance, the Cuban bread. I grew up eating a Cuban sandwich pressed in on a plancha. Yeah, me too. You coat it with butter, you press it on a plancha. On a sandwich press, and out comes like a really crispy, flattened bread that also melts the cheese. But that hasn't always been true. The Cuban sandwich in Tampa was actually not pressed in the resolution. <laughs> the Cuban bread made in Tampa was scored with palmetto palm fronds. This rivalry between Miami and Tampa over who takes credit of the Cuban sandwich had been going on so long and so strong that in 2012, the actual matter was put to a vote and it was resolved by popular vote that the city of Tampa, Florida is to take credit for making the Cuban sandwich. And it is specifically called the Historic Tampa Cuban Sandwich. I also read somewhere that they were considering trademarking it at some point. But then we're like, this is going to be an issue where everyone has going to have to approach the city of Tampa whenever they make a Cuban sandwich. And they're just like, yo, we can't deal with that. Like, that's too much for the city of Tampa. <laughs> that's so when we're you just shoot gonna... yourself in the foot. <laughs> that's when you're like, oh, geez, we went way too far with this sandwich thing. Yeah. <laughs> so people have been asking me for ages, as I've mentioned, where's the best Cuban sandwich? And I have been on the hunt. I cannot say that the search for the best Cuban sandwich has been exhaustive, but I can definitely say that I have tried a Cuban sandwich that has made my heart sing. And that Cuban sandwich lives at my Cuban spot, a ventanita in Gowanus, Brooklyn, founded and started by Chef Louis Estrada, which we had the pleasure of connecting with and interviewing for this episode. Miami people, please don't come for me or come for me. I don't know. I stand by what I say. I think that my Cuban spots Cuban sandwich is better than the Cuban sandwiches I've had in Miami. There. I said it. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> it's because the Cuban sandwiches in Miami used sliced pork. And look, sliced pork is okay. It's good. But... When you're using un puerco asado in that sandwich, ooh, it really takes it from good to heavenly, okay? Trust me on this one. Thank you, Chef Louis, for showing me the way. <laughs> Seriously. Hot take. A lot of times when you're the place that does the thing, you check out a little bit. You're like, here we are doing the thing. We make a thousand sandwiches a day. We feed it to all our Cuban people. Everyone loves it. But like when you get out of your fish tank and you go to another city, you have to bring it. You know, you can't just do the thing that's been done it's over true. and over again in you're Miami. You're representing a community like, and you're trying to put forth the best foot possible. Yeah, it's true. If you include the delicious lechon, Cuban pork that we've talked about so much, if you put that at the center of a Cuban sandwich, it's going to be, you know, to die for. You just have to, like, use our traditional best tasting ingredients yeah. and that's it. And I got to say, I had to laugh. So I was sitting there eating this sandwich, having the time of my life. And I look over and I see a bunch of gringos sitting there eating their sandwiches and their Patagonia sweaters and their beanies like chowing down. And I think to myself, 
wow, what a juxtaposition, you know, however many years ago, back in the 1800s, the people that would have been chowing down in this same capacity would have been so different. And now here we are in Brooklyn with a bunch of gringos sitting there in the middle of winter eating a Cuban sandwich. I mean, I don't hate it, but it's just definitely a very interesting musing and a very interesting observation. Right now, we're talking about all of these ingredients and all of this controversy, and we decided to go ahead and talk to the guy, Louis Estrada. We are joined today by My Cuban Spots chef, founder, and owner. Welcome, Louis. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. Cool. Let's get into it. Louis, can you just quickly tell us what are the absolute must-have ingredients of a proper Cuban sandwich? Proper Cuban sandwich. Basi. It's mustard. Dill pickles, boiled ham, Swiss cheese, needs to be Swiss, and you need uh, pork, okay? However you want to cook that, as long as it's pork. You need good Cuban bread, and I say good Cuban bread because there is bad Cuban bread out there. So you need good Cuban bread and butter and a lot of love. Can I elevate a Cuban sandwich and try to do 10 different things with it, with an aioli and this and that and a different kind of ham? and different kind of cheese, absolutely. But then it's no longer a Cuban sandwich. This is a personal opinion. Cuban is a Cuban, that's it. You can make your own pickles, that's fine. You can make your own ham, like this place, uh, a good friend of mine, Sanguish does. So the difference with mine is, is just the shredded pork. But the shredded pork is something that people use on pan con lechon since the start of time. Shredded pork packs in more flavor. Cooking times are different between sliced pork and shredded pork. For sliced pork, you got to cook it higher temp at a lower time, mm, right? Mm-hmm. So you might be cooking it at 350 to four to five hours, whereas this is really low and slow. So it's 250, eight to 15 hours. I cook mine for 15. I came up with a method of how do I do this in this tiny little shop and get away with it? I can't cook it during the day and then recook tomorrow. It's too much work. So I started cooking it at night before we left. Thank God that within the first couple of days, we figured it out. It's still going to fall off the bone at 7, 8, 9, 10, but ours is for 15. It's a traditional Cuban to me because the recipe is still the same. I didn't reinvent the wheel. It's people's mojos that change, whether it's the citrus or the salt or the cumin. That's what changes for different chefs. People like more acidity in their mojo. I created a consistency with my mojo. When I get into competitions, that's what they call it, a traditional Cuban. We grew up on bland Cuban sandwiches. Were they good to us? Yeah, they were delicious, but they were colder because the cold cuts inside are mm-hmm. still a little cold, but the el pan is nice and warm. So I wanted the whole bite to be like that nice, warm texture and then finished off with the pork. So that's I love how that, that all I'm came about. I'm saying that I actually think it's better than what I have been searching for. Good, thank you, because I agree. (laughs) I mean, listen, the way I cook in general is something that makes you close your eyes and takes you back. It's nostalgic. Even when people that don't know about the culture, it takes you somewhere, Mm -hmm. right? So you don't have to be a part of the Cuban culture for food to take you somewhere. At the end of the day, I need people to taste Cuba. I need people to taste Miami. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't successful anywhere outside of Florida that I tried. So... The Cuban sandwich, for me, was like as simple as el pan con jamón y queso y mayonesa. That you bite into it, and it took you to your grandmother's house right after school, or it took you, or it took me to Islas when I would just grab Cuban sandwiches out the window, or it took me to Tamami Park when I would 
have pan con lechones after we played a game and did like a hachina. So all these things, especially the sandwich, was, you know, something that came from my childhood. The reason why Cuban sandwiches are popular is because it's easy to read on a menu. An American that speaks nothing of Spanish is going to sit there and be like, oh, the Cuban sandwich. Well, I know that. So I'm going to have a Cuban sandwich. And then, you know, I was in the bar scene and restaurant scene for a long time. And that's, you know, what started to really kickstart my passion. I had already cooked long before. I wasn't a chef. I didn't go to culinary school. I could cook. My dad's a badass in the kitchen. And I would always like watch what my dad and my grandparents were doing. I went from bartending in restaurants to learning the in and outs, you know, from the back to the front, from the kitchen to the dishwashing to everything. I was inspired at one point to open a cafe slash speakeasy bar. But when I looked at the location, I said, there's no bar, but I can do a badass ventanita right here. There was already a window there. And I said, give me the papers. I know I had the bar envisioned, but I didn't get it. And I said, you know what? It's time to shake things up because people don't know about this food. So I had three months to like really get back into the kitchen. Still while I was working at the bar and kind of just perfect all the recipes. Not too many opportunities in New York will come through that often. Oh, let's do the lightning round. All right. All right. I love a good lightning round. So this is on the Cuban sandwich. Plancha or no plancha? Both. I use a flat press where I use weights on it and I flip it so it's equal on both sides. But during my, my events, I do use plancha. If you use plancha, make sure it's at the right temp and that you're pressing it enough for the cheese to melt inside. Mm, of course. Yeah, that's so important. Okay. Pastelito de queso or pastelito de guayaba? Ooh, pastelito de queso y Yes. yes. <laughs> Picadillo with raisins or no raisins? Woo, you guys are good. When I was growing up, I had raisins once a week, maybe no raisins another week or so, only because some kids didn't like it, some kids wanted it. So I'm personally going to go without raisins. Okay, okay. All right, all right. It doesn't mean that it should be made without. I'm going back to my childhood. I used to pick them off, but I love the flavors with raisin. That's why I can say either or. Okay. No, I'm the same. I definitely used to pick them off as a kid. I, it is. I love them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it now. It adds a lot of flavor. But as a kid, my my plate would like be empty, and then you'd have like <laughs> a line of raisins just yeah on the side. But now I love them. If I was cooking for my grandparents, I would cook it traditionally with raisins. So yeah, right, sweet, right. sweet. So un cortadito, café con leche or colada. Colada. Hola. Easy. Miami or Ebor? Miami. <laughs> yeah. Bacardi or Havana rum? Havana. <laughs> I'm Havana Club diehard. I, yeah. I'm the same. I'm the same. If I'm going nostalgic, I'm going Havana Club seven year. Yeah, okay. yeah. Pan con viste or medianoche? Pan con viste. Pitbull or gente de zona? Pitbull. Ayalia or Little Havana? Little Havana. <laughs> Hands down. <laughs> Sorry for the Hialeah peeps out there, but... Calle Ocho or Ocean Drive? Calle Ocho or Ocean Drive? Wow! Can I go 50-50? Little Havana's my life, but I did a lot of years in Ocean Drive. All right, let's go uh, Calle Ocho. All right. <laughs> and I'm just going to say Domino Park. Tostones or Platanito Maduro? Platanito Maduro. And we'll end with Isla Canaria or Versailles? <laughs> Guys, this isn't even a question. I know, this is the trick question. And I need question. to say that. Versailles. I listen, agree. This I is a trick question. Nostalgia. This was our trick question. Tequila Canarias, hands down. Hands down. Actually, if we would have asked this first and you would have answered Versailles, we would have just stopped the interview. Would have been like, that's it. You've been discredited. We would have been like, you know you what? I don't, think, listen, I don't think this is the guy we should when interview. When someone has Versailles <laughs> on their list, I've seen a lot of lists for people. And some people put Versailles on their list. And this is list for other people, you know, 
hey, I'm going down to Miami. Can you make a list for me for Cuban spots? The only thing that should be behind Versailles is it's been there forever. And if you want nostalgia and the fact that it's legendary, because it is, it's yeah, been there and it's, it's ambience, Cubans off the boat. You know? Absolutely. But food and culture? No. Eat like an audience, hands down. All right. I agree. Okay. Well, agree. you got it. You got all the answers right, even though there were no wrong answers. Louis, I have one last question. Talk to me. Do you have any thoughts on like all of these other iterations of Cuban sandwiches that are, are not really Cuban? No. I mean, I take it as a compliment as far as the Cuban sandwich goes. People want to mimic it. It's not so much that they're trying to create the best Cuban sandwich. I think what they're trying to do is create their own. Why? It's because something we touched on before. It's because the word Cuba, Cuban, Cubano, Cubana has become very popular. I have no qualms about it. At the end of the day, you're just bringing more traffic to the Cuban name and Cubanos and Cuban sandwiches. So I'm all for it. Well, thank you so much, Louis. This was really, really fun. I am so glad that you decided to hop on with us. Thank you, guys. Likewise. So, folks, go ahead and enjoy a Cuban sandwich. If you ever find yourself thinking you see a Cuban sandwich in the wild, take a picture of it, describe it. Send it to us. Let's have a conversation. Let's see. Is this Cuban? Is it not? Is it a sandwich? Is it not? I don't know. While we're over here discussing and debating ingredients, like why not also talk about vegan and vegetarian Cuban sandwiches? So I've tried a vegan Cuban sandwich at Vegan Cuban Cuisine in Miami. And Jesse, our graphic artist, has actually tried the one at Vegan Cuban Cuisine as well as one in Plantation, Florida called Parlor. And... Both are amazing. We just want to shout out the amazing creativity and being able to recreate this sandwich that makes us still nostalgic. So I haven't had a Cuban sandwich in like 10 years and I had it just this year at Vegan Cuban Cuisine and it took me back home. So thank you so much. I'll break down some of the ingredients. I'll say that this comes from my taste buds because I haven't reached out to them to find out what they do. They use jackfruit as the pork. They made their own mojo. They use vegan ham, vegan cheese. Mustard is already vegan. I might have tasted a little bit of veganaise or at least a vegan butter. And they made a Cuban bread that didn't have lard in it, but still had the same texture. They pressed it on a plancha. It was delicious. So thank you to those of you out there making sure that everyone can have access to delicious Cuban food. So the Cubanismo, (laughs) our Cubanismo in this episode is sana con gusto no pica. Sana con gusto no pica. Literally, it translates to scabies with pleasure doesn't itch, which doesn't make sense, but it's about guilty pleasures. (laughs) So think about when you're eating something that's not very healthy, like a Cuban sandwich. If you're enjoying yourself, you're like, well, it's kind of worth it. My mom actually says this. She'll be eating something that she's not supposed to eat, and then she'll be like, bueno, pero sana con gusto no pica. <laughs> it's almost like if it tastes good, it's gonna be bad for you. You know what? I'm gonna enjoy it. Yeah. Y con eso, thank you everyone for your support, for listening to us. A shout out to our patrons, Kellis, Jesse, Josh, Yvette, Jason, Daniel, Karina, Sulamis, Sarah, Amaudi, Kaylee, Kristen. Wow, I had to take a breath. We were so excited that all of you are supporting us. We are also planning on offering up some custom prints of our episode cover art. If you sign up for the Corazón de Melon tier, reach out to us. We have details. You can reach us at Take It Easy Pod on Twitter, 
Instagram, Facebook. Email us at takeiteasypod at gmail.com. And we've got a website, takeiteasypod.com. Cogelo suave con takeiteasy. Oh, that's such a good one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we got together like ham, Swiss, and pork, and Cuban bread. Together forever, like ham, Swiss, and pork, and Cuban bread, but maybe not Chinoa salami. Don't forget to press it. Wow, yeah. We'll always be well fed. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.